Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. And what's up? Welcome in another episode of GC Live. Uh, Appreciate you joining us. I am Wes Mitchell. He is, of course, Chris Clark. We are brought to you, as always, by our buddy Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, 803-771-6933. As always, if uh, you're in the market for a new home or just want to see what options you may have out there, want to check in on the interest rates, more, uh, the Movement Mortgage team under Clint uh, can take care of you. Again, same great team, new name. Uh, you've heard us talk about uh, Mortgage Network for actually a couple years now. Uh, same crew now under the Movement Mortgage umbrella. Again, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. So I can get in touch with Clint. Hope y'all are great. Again, I'm Wes. He is Chris. Going to be joined momentarily by our buddy Charles Power. He is the director of rankings at On3. Um, looking forward to hearing from Charles. I know uh, many of you... Maybe joined in last time when we had Charles on. We talked about Lenora Sellers for like an hour, I think. But um, we'll be talking about him, talking about Macari Swain. And um, Charles' official title, the Own 3 Director of Scouting and Rankings, which um, essentially he me- means he knows everything about everybody that is a major recruit. Charles has been doing this for a while. He's been high on Lenoris for quite some time. Been high on Vakari for quite some time, so we're going to get Charles to tell us a little bit about why those guys are ranked what they are. And uh, final own three rankings out now, Chris. Those were official. We're recording this and live streaming this on Wednesday. Those were official on Tuesday. And some Gamecocks getting some nice little bumps there. Yeah, man. Um, so something I want to – I'm looking forward to asking Charles about. Kind of – he went into great detail on the Norris Sellers. Uh, last time obviously we had him on but get him to talk a little bit more about that but I really want him to dive in on Swain so I I think the word that he used last time we had him on the show was a ridiculous athlete and when when you look at this guy on film you can see that right and he he really really flew under the radar for Gamecock fans I feel like until the very end of the process and why? Well, somebody else wanted him. And anytime that happens, that tends to kind of put a guy in the news, so to speak, a little bit more. 
And then people start looking at him and say, oh, yeah, this guy is really good. You know, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, Colorado, they have occupied a lot of the recruiting news cycle and the college football news cycle. And so when they started chasing Swain, it got people's ears perked up a little bit more. I knew, I figured he would move up some in the rankings, but Wes, he landed way, way up there in terms of the on three rankings. And now as a guy that Gamecock fans, maybe are going to be even more excited about now, given where he's ended up in Charles's rankings. Yes. And, um, I think Chris, one of the one of the best things about the whole on three system. Um, hopefully, y'all can see that. Yeah, you can. The whole on three system is that. Um, so first of all, you go in here, and there there is still some confusion. I think, especially if people are more not the ones. So when I before I did this, I followed recruiting like closely. Like I I followed every you know every little visit who was. Who was hitting campus? Who did South Carolina offer? And there are people that follow it like that. Then there are people that follow it in a much more casual sense. And I think, you know, we, we get you get hit over the head with content from everywhere now. So I get it. You can't follow everything as far as every little beat. But so I think people see on three and then they just kind of add two things together here. Well, the own three rankings and the own three consensus rankings are completely different. Um, just like I think there are people, especially when it first launched, that with Garnet Trust and Garnet Trust Foundation just completely linked the two as being the same thing when they are not. So own three and the rankings we are talking about today with Charles are the rankings put together by the own three team that Charles is the director of. Well, this is no different than like ESPN has rankings, 24-7 has rankings, Rivals has rankings. This is the individual rankings from the On3 company. Well, you also, Chris, have, of course, the On3 consensus. That is an average of all of the four major recruiting entities. And I like that there's some transparency there, too. It's like, hey, it's the four, it's divided by four, and then it's normalized um, into a mathematical rating. And so you're going to have guys always, Chris, that maybe one site, one company feels differently about than um, the rest of them. 76 says who, uh, yeah, who who are in the consensus rankings. Yeah, ESPN rivals 24-7 on three. It's the four major companies that do rankings. So that gives you more of like, it, it is what it is. It's an average. Whereas on three, yeah, there are going to be some outliers. And then on the on three website, you can actually compare, which we're going to do here in a second. We're going to pop that up. But Chris, consensus is more of like, all right, here's an idea of what pretty much everybody thinks in general. Whereas you can then click through and see which particular companies have different thoughts on different guys. Yeah. And as you've got up on the screen there, Wes, for those that are watching the video stream, which hopefully you are on YouTube, uh, like under Marky Anderson, for example, to the right, you see a star rating and a grade, and that is kind of the default to the on three consensus rating. So when you're just looking on the commitment list, you go to GamecockCentral.com, click on the football recruiting tab, click on commitments, something you should be checking often, you will see kind of default under the commitment list. That is the consensus ranking. Then you can click on the individual prospect and kind of sort that. Really cool tool by On3. They have pretty robust profiles with all sorts of different stuff and continuing to make improvements and really not improvements, Wes, but additions to those profiles. The industry comparison tool that you can toggle on and off on the recruit profiles are super cool. And Wes, they actually introduced something new on the rankings, not to further confuse people, but just to kind of let people know it's there. Sometimes you may see a guy that is a five-star plus South Carolina does not have one of those uh, right now on their uh, on their commitment list, but a five-star plus prospect is a guy that is a five-star on all four of the major recruiting services. He is called a five-star plus. So just a few things to keep in mind there as you sort through the rankings. Let's go ahead and bring Charles in. Uh, Charles is a five-star plus in my book. Um, Charles, I know uh, it's always a busy time, man. I uh, appreciate you taking the time. How um, how did the All-Star Games go for you, man? Did you have to uh, 
Did you have to Uber like eight hours when all the planes uh, got shut down for a couple of days there? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, I'm sure I probably had a similar experience to a lot of South Carolina fans driving down to the bowl game because I, I got caught in that traffic. I heard uh, people were talking about it before I drove down, so I knew it was going to be pretty bad. But I think getting from Myrtle Beach to like Buford, Hilton Head, or getting through Savannah, it took forever. It was like maybe like six hours getting through there. And then once I got, you know, from Savannah, it was like, you know, you could snap your fingers and you were in Orlando, but that, that, that stretch of, of 95 was particularly brutal for sure. I've never seen anything like it, to be honest with you, man. Like I going from Columbia to Jacksonville, like we were in South Carolina for like four plus hours, I think. And the entire trip was supposed to be four hours. So it, it was brutal. Um, Lots of Gamecock fans on the road going down there, but uh, glad you made it, man. Glad you made it back safe. And obviously, we did talk a ton about Lenora Sellers on the previous time you were on, but maybe some people missed it. Maybe uh, maybe they only caught part of it. So, And the fact that Lenoris um, is now inside the top 100. He's moved all the way up to 95 in the country. Um, I'm going to throw some of his highlights up here in a second, but just as a refresher, Charles, and for the people who missed it, uh, what was it about Lenoris that you've been so high on him about really uh, since I think you and I've been, we've been talking about him for like a year now, I think, but mm-hmm. what, what has it been about Lenoris that you've just liked so much? Yeah. I mean, all, I, we always liked his physical ability. First off, he's six three two twenty, live arm. You can see that just really quickly just in, in watching him play uh, or just really watching highlights. Um, so in, I think the arm plus the mobility with the size, his balance, his, ability to make improvisational plays. Like I think we talked about this last time, but I, I think him playing early on at South Florence where when they really kind of struggled to, to, to block up front and him having to make a lot of individual plays with his feet uh, and just improvisationally creative, creatively uh, really helped set him up uh, just from a play style perspective. Um, he had to really do a lot on his own. Um, so just from a skill set perspective, uh, and I, I got to see him, like I said, uh, last time I saw him at Clemson's camp going into his junior year. I thought he stacked up with national quarterbacks there from a physical and skill perspective. Um, so the biggest thing I think was just seeing him getting the opportunity to play, uh, you know, broke his collarbone, I believe, uh, his his probably in the fourth game of his junior year. So, uh, man, and I think just tracking him throughout the fall, I, I think his first game against Goose Creek, he had like like six or seven touchdowns, maybe eight touchdowns. Um, so he was one that, that uh, like initially just like really like popped on, on the radar as there was probably a group of five or six quarterbacks that we kind of thought might be risers and, and that ended up having mm-hmm. big senior seasons. And he was one of them that I was just really following on a, on a weekly basis. Um, and then of course, you know, South Carolina came in on him, I guess it was like October. I think it, um, Satterfield saw him at the Myrtle beach game. Uh, and then they they offered and he became a priority. But um, it was a deal where I think Sellers got better and better over the course of the season, which is kind of what you want to see. Um, played, I think, some of his best some of his best ball in the playoffs, uh, in big games. I mean, that's the thing, too. I think when you're stacking him up among a lot of these top quarterbacks, I, I think he played some of the best competition of the group. Uh, in addition to really, really in, from a big picture perspective, probably had the best, most productive senior year as well. He had 67 touchdowns, two picks, over 1,300 rushing yards, um, highly efficient as a passer, even though his completion percentage wasn't crazy high. If you watch South Florence games, uh, you know, to be honest, like uh, some of their receivers had trouble handling the velocity on his throws. Mm-hmm. There probably was more drops than you would, um, you know, hope for. But uh, if, if, if you watch the games, it was easy to see that that was just kind of the context for – their offense. Um, a lot of it was like vertical play action passes. Um, they weren't really throwing a bunch of easy, quick, you know, padded uh, completions necessarily. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, seeing him take off that, that like no- November, December, um, he really kind of looked like one of the top quarterbacks in the country to us. And then I think getting to see him at the Shrine Bowl, um, you know, I, 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 Wes and Chris, I'm sure y'all are familiar with the shrine bowl like i am it, it, it's not a setting where quarterbacks go in in, the, in that game and always look great like i think we can go back over the years of some top ranked quarterbacks who did not look oh, yeah. great in that game yeah um so so i i think the the, the fact that he looked that that comfortable in that setting that all that 
the skills translated. Um, you know, I think back like the, the last Shrine Bowl MVP that like we were a little higher than everybody else uh, won the Blitnikoff this year, Jalen Hyatt. So I think that can be kind of a, you know, a little bit of a good, a good sign. It's definitely not, not a bad thing. So um, I think just taking the, the full breadth of what we've seen from him with, with the, with the skills and the production, the, the gaudy production, um, it, it's hard to deny him as I think, in my opinion, a, a top 100 quarterback. Uh, and he's a guy who I think, you know, if he pans out at, at South Carolina, I think we'll look back and say, man, this was like a, kind of a, a steal for the Gamecocks, uh, just given, you know, just, just his situation and, and kind of going under the radar uh, really almost solely because he missed most of his junior year. And Charles, something that I wanted to get you to expand on, kind of a two for one here. So number one, I think maybe people don't realize in on threes rankings, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys just rank quarterback, no right. pro style versus dual threat like in the past, mm -hmm. but Lenoris is certainly a guy that could be classified as a dual threat. So the two-part kind of question for you, in terms of just generally ranking quarterbacks and grouping them, since there is no designation anymore between pro and, and dual threat, how much do the legs matter to you in terms of running ability? Does that give a guy an extra boost versus someone who doesn't? And then number two, can you go into a little bit more detail about Lenoris's ability to run the ball, for instance – I know in your uh, piece here in moving him up, you mentioned, you know, size burst and, and contact balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That, so that's a great question. And I, I think us getting rid of the pro style and dual threat designation is really tied into the fact that nowadays to, to be a top quarterback, you need to have mobility. Like there's like, Dual threat is the new pro style, essentially, when you look at a lot of top quarterbacks who get drafted high. There's there's a baseline level of mobility that you really need to have to be a top quarterback, because, you know, like if you're if you're projecting out to college and really the NFL, I think being able to move raises your floor as a quarterback, because you you're, if, you, if you play early, you probably aren't going to have the offense like you're going to know the offense like the back of your hand. Um, so so that ability to move affords you time to continue to, to learn and progress you know, as, as a pocket passer. I think ultimately being a pocket passer is what determines who is truly elite at, at quarterback, especially in the NFL. Like you look in the NFL playoffs, I think the ability to win from the pocket is kind of what decides a lot of those games. But I, I think, I think the, the mobility raises the floor. So that's really we, when I was at working at 24 seven sports, we talked about that for a while, like kind of getting rid of the dual threat pro style, um, cause it kind of became a deal where a lot of the pro stock quarterbacks just are guys who just couldn't move. And we, we would have had a lot of the top ranked guys would have been like ranked as dual threats. So, um, I, I think that's, I think that's, that's, that's a good question. That's something that, that really to me matters with, with, with quarterback evaluations for sure. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I, I go through every year and, and study top NFL draft picks. And, and I look at rushing yards for, for high school quarterbacks. Um, you, you have situations, maybe like a Trevor Lawrence, where a guy who was a good athlete didn't run for a ton of yards, but but you could kind of tell he was a good athlete. But generally speaking, most of these top NFL draft picks, I would say rush for probably at least six or 700 yards their senior year. Um, sellers, you know, it would, it would, would have been well above that that average. Um, but but there's, there's, a, there's some like statistical markers that you can look at with total touchdowns, touchdowns, interceptions per game, um, rushing yards is, is, is really helpful. So those are all things we factor in. And, and on all of those benchmarks, he, he hits all of those very easily. Yards per attempt is one. I think a lot of the top quarterback picks, you see guys with um, nine easily, like rarely do you see one with below, I think, nine yards in attempt. I, Sellers was over 11. Um, so from, from a stats perspective, he is – like how you would 100% like would, would would want a guy a guy to look um and and with his with his rushing ability i think what 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 makes him um stick out a little bit in that regard is that that he can he can do it a lot of different ways so you can call design runs for him you watch south Lawrence play a lot of their run game was he basically was their run game um they could line him up almost in like a direct snap like a wildcat situation and he was a really kind of hellacious short yardage runner um great in the in the in the red zone and goal line um you saw that in the playoffs a, a lot. I think he he was really good at that in that in the, in the AC Florida game. Like he kind of took the game over um, as a ball carrier there, um, and and so he, I think he he adds that element. Uh, the I think the the burst and and the 
the the balance and the contact balance is 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 unique. Uh, there was a play against Hartsville this year. Uh, I think it might have been on his highlights where he was scrambling, kind of lost his balance and gathered himself and and just and got back to top speed and took off running. Like that's that's honestly pretty freakish. Like you don't see that often. And that, like like we talked about last time, that might be something I think that he that he got from his uh his, his soccer background is just the ability to 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 stay low and change direction. Um, so that's really good. I mean, obviously he has good speed. He's not like a, a four, three, four, four guy, but I think he's a like electronic four, six. Uh, and I could see him and, and that's at, you know, two fifteen, two twenty. Um, So I could see him continuing to get faster there. Um, he's 17 years old, 16 years old, running a laser four, six is pretty, pretty salty. So, um, and, and I think the improvisational ability as well. So he kind of has the multi-phase, rushing that you want to see um it, it's not just just one area so it's just the general i think the general athleticism transfers over as a run threat yeah pretty special guy all the way around man i uh, that flora game in particular um everybody in the stadium knew he was getting the ball at times mm-hmm. and uh it was like they, they didn't even bother to put a running back beside him at times i think they just stacked it in front of him and put an extra blocker in there and we're just like stop our guy or right. attempt to stop our guy, and we're, we're going to convert these fourth and third and shorts, basically. Um, it, I find it interesting. So the final rankings on on three, uh, Vakari Swain, South Carolina's highest-ranked guy, Lenora's second, uh, then Marquis, who's sort of been up there as a top mm-hmm. recruit, really on all the services for quite a while. Um, it's kind of interesting to me if these two guys had been sort of as talked about throughout the process or maybe as early or earlier in the process, I'm trying to say these would be two guys. I think Gamecock fans would have been just clamoring for uh, to land, but because of how it played out, like you've talked about with the Norris getting hurt his junior year, really sort of being under the radar until he has this massive senior year and Vicari as well, you know, fans were, you know, they were happy to get him. They're excited. It wasn't really until Deion Sanders started poking around and trying to steal him at the end that fans were like, wait, what, well, you know, what, what's the deal with this guy? So yeah. I think it's interesting, Charles, seeing the two highest ranked guys now kind of being a bit under the radar through for most of the process, even in the eyes of South Carolina fans. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think too, this is one thing that, that I think maybe factors in a little bit with them is, is they aren't from traditional powerhouse high schools either. And I think that could have maybe contributed a little bit. Like they, they aren't at high schools that have, college coach foot traffic coming through just to check on, on guys. Um, I'm not even sure if I've heard of Vicari Swain's high school central and Carrollton. I mean, Carrollton high school is a, is a powerhouse, but I haven't heard of central. So it's kind of, kind of weird that he, that he wouldn't be playing at, at, at Carrollton, but um, yeah, I, like I, I, I think that's, I think that's a factor. And, and one thing too, like I, I said this last time, but we, we heavily uh, value the senior season. I think that's a great indicator of, of, just how good a prospect is going to be when they get into college. It's the most recent uh, like data point sample size. And with, uh, with, with Vicari Swain, uh, I guess he moved up probably around 50 spots. I think he was around, you know, just outside the top 100 um, going into this update. But as, as we continue to watch him, uh, he, he's just, he's just awesome. Like I think you can see on this, on, on these clips I and mean, he can play multiple positions. Uh, you know, I had, I had one, um, one person who works uh, for SEC team tell me he was his favorite player in the cycle period. Um, so I mean, this guy is just twitched up like crazy. Um, you know, I, I think I might have mentioned this last time. His 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 broad jump at the uh, at the Atlanta Under Armour camp. I actually went back and looked it up for y'all. It is it was an eleven six, an eleven and a half. So just to give you perspective on that, Julio Jones. You know, Julio Jones, one of the best athletes at receiver in modern history jumped in 11 three at the NFL combine. So Vakari Swain jumped in 11 six in socks. So that just kind of gives you an idea of what kind of athlete, you know, you, you have on your hands here. Um, can do a lot of different stuff. I think he it would be a four-star receiver if he was just strictly a receiver with, with his ball skills and mm-hmm. athleticism. But I think what makes him special is, is just the, that athleticism, the ball skills and the fact that he has some toughness and, and can really be a, a game changer at secondary uh, in the secondary at corner or safety. So, um, I mean, he could be like, this is a, this is kind of a weird corner class nationally. Like, like we only have one five star uh, there. There's a, there's a group of, of kind of top 100 types. Um, and I think if we were to slot Swain as a corner, 
you know, he would be kind of right in that right in that second tier group, um, you know, kind of with your Cormani McLean's, Desmond Ricks's, uh, Jakeem Jackson. So he would be in that vicinity. Uh, and he's as good of athlete, I think, as as, as all those guys, if, if not better. So um, a guy who I think you'll like like sellers. I think you'll look back and, and say, man, he probably should have gotten more attention. I mean, you see that hit right there. I mean, he's he's pretty, pretty, pretty vicious uh, and physical. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just hard. like his his film is, is so much fun to go through. I mean, he's just extremely twitchy, bouncy. So um, he's a guy, too. And I, and I, I mean, y'all y'all are definitely more um, more up to speed on on South Carolina's death chart and whatnot than I am. But I would think he's probably got a shot. If he comes in and like he might have a shot. He might be, be ready to contribute or. Like he might maybe be in the mix there at, um, you know, spots in the secondary. So um, that should be fun to watch, at least like once he gets on campus. Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, receiver or defensive back, South Carolina would have some room for him and capable of playing either. And, and so that kind of leads me to my, ne- my – this next question is also kind of more general but also applicable to this, Charles. So you mentioned he's an athlete, right? That's how you rank him at on three is in the athlete category plays both ways at receiver DB. You mentioned he'd be highly ranked at either. How do you determine, okay, I'm slotting this guy as a receiver or a DB or an athlete, especially because some of these guys that are, you know, say in the DB category, they do play oftentimes both ways at the college level. So how do you make that determination of this guy's going in the athlete category like Vicari? Yeah, that's another, that's another really good question. So, so we try to probably relative to, other outlets we try to project the actual position and not just lump everybody into athlete for us athlete is the the kind of definition of an athlete is there there's general ambiguity on what position he's going to play in college most of the time it for us it applies also to he could play on either side of the ball um so i think with swain the fact he could play on both sides of the ball probably is why he's an athlete and not a corner or a safety um and, and also too, I think where they're recruited, typically we like we can kind of dig on and just asking college sources or, or kind of figure out like deduce where they're gonna start off at um, in, in in college. So that's a factor as well. But but by the time we get to the end of the cycle, like this, this final rankings, we try not to have a ton of athletes because I think it, it's helpful for for the fans to to know kind of where they're projected to play. Um, and, and I think just from our, from a product standpoint, it's just more accurate that way. And, it, and we aren't, we aren't scared to project either. Like there, there, there will be some safeties that we think are, will outgrow um, their position in, in rank as a linebacker. Like for instance, like I, like we had Nicky Menwari as a linebacker last year. Um, and even though he plays safety at South Carolina, I think he could be like an Isaiah Simmons type who maybe plays, starts off safety in college and eventually is, like kind of drafted as a hybrid safety linebacker. I could see that given how, just how big he is, his size and kind of what he brings to the table there. So um, that's, that, that, that's kind of our general philosophy, philosophy with athletes. And I think it helps to like kind of how we go through our rankings processes. Everything is started, starts off positionally. So we go through all the quarterbacks, all the running backs. So it helps us sort out uh, the, the, the prospects just a lot cleaner if they're in a position and not just kind of, just kind of, uh, you know, a nebulous athlete category. So um, we try to pare it down, but we do, I think we do have uh, several athletes in the top 100, like Nicholas Harbor is one, like he's, he's a good example of just could play tight end, could play uh, edge. So uh, that's kind of why Swain falls in there, but that's just our kind of our, our general take on it. And, and Nick Harbor, one of the just freakiest athletes that exists uh you would say um i want to talk a bit as well when we got you charles about uh, jalen kilgore a guy who you know it's it's not like you guys were down on him before he was still a high three-star type um you know you talked about valuing that that all-important senior season what what was it about kilgore who um it's one of several that's already on campus for South Carolina, already moved in, will go through spring practice, I think probably has a chance to impact their secondary potentially pretty quickly. Uh, what did you like about Kilgore to move him, um, you know, al- almost into the top 150s, 167 overall in his class? Yeah, Kilgore's film is is phenomenal. His senior tape is is, is awesome. Uh, I, I, I First off, I think when you're looking at safety, Safety, we look at the athleticism and we look at just their 
just like it's kind of just to dumb it down is, is how good of a football player are they? Uh, can you make plays in, in multiple phases of the game? Um, I think it's helpful when you see safeties play offense, which we see from Kilgore. Uh, I think he had over 1400 yards uh, this year uh, just on, on, on offense and seeing his playmaking toughness, uh, the athleticism on, on defense. I think he's a guy who would probably, he he's, he's run track before, but I think if he were to, go in a combine setting. I think he would perform well there like that, that Atlanta camp West. I'm, I'm sure. I think, I think you were there. Um, the, yep. the, it, it rained that day. So they, they did, they only did like a couple of the testing portions uh, or the, like a couple of the athletic tests were, were inside. So they weren't able to run, but I think he's a guy who would have, would have performed pretty well there. I think he's like in, in the four five, maybe like high four, four range um, at least hand time. So uh, it's, I just, just, the combination of athleticism um, and, and just the playmaking ability, toughness, ability to do, do different things. And to bring it back to the athleticism, he, I think he had a 23 and a half long jump. So he's, you know, checks the boxes there, at least from, from a track perspective, um, what you want to see and in good size. He's like six, one, six, two, 200 pounds long. Um, you can kind of see right here. I mean, just the playmaking ability, the balance. I had somebody text me uh, like his highlights in the middle of the fall, and with the comment was, I think it was just, this, this is an NFL player. Um, so, uh, and it wasn't someone not affiliated with South Carolina. Um, so, and, and going back and going through that safety group, it was really the, the, the safety position might've been one of the bigger overhauls for us. Um, there was kind of a group there that was just kind of in that four-star range that, that we didn't have uh, a ton of stuff on both ones who were rated as four stars or ones like Kilgore who were kind of on that cusp. So there was a lot of shuffling uh, that, that, that went through with this one. And he was, I would say probably one of two or three safeties that really uh, stood out to us when we were going through, through the position group. So um, he's a guy who I, I think uh, kind of similar to those, those others we talked similar to sellers and, and Swain. Um, I think he's a headliner in the class, a guy who can, just pure football player. Um, correct me if I'm wrong too. I think, I think he might be from a military family and that's not something we consider, but uh, just from my mm. experience doing this and, and like, like covering like back when I was reporting um, those guys, I think are wired a little different and, and tend, I think to probably hit at, at a, at a pretty high rate, just, you know, growing up in a military family. So that's, I guess that's if it, I, I believe that's true, but, but if it is, I think that's, kind of interesting note for, for Kilgore as well. Yeah. And, and for those looking at the video stream, Wes has this graphic up here, you know, kind of giving you visual representation of some of these moves up. So Charles, you, you've mentioned so many factors that you kind of bake into your process of when you're looking at these guys and ranking them. And so I want to get you to address this. It's already disproven by this graphic, but there's still a lot of folks out there. It's kind of become a, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of, uh, a mythology now i think you could say that ah, uh, in the recruiting industry uh, in general there's kind of some bias based on who offers and mm -hmm. this guy's going to jump up or this guy's going to move down based on the school that they commit to now i know you've ranked guys in the past pretty highly that maybe don't have any offers but can you kind of just from your perspective you can't speak for the entire industry and what they may yeah. do obviously but, but how much do you bake that in if any to your process so I think I think it's important to contextualize that a lot of a lot of the colleges and in, in us are like at least I can just speaking for for us at on three like a lot of times we're looking at the same stuff. So like if if, if a prospect's getting offers um, or has like a a big spring or say he runs a great track time, wins the state championship in the hundred meters, and gets ten offers at the same time. I think a lot of times the the, the sample or, or just the data everybody's getting or, or the film, um, it, it, it kind of comes through at the same time. So it can kind of dovetail a little bit. Um, now, we've had instances in the past where, like, I remember like when I, when I was 24-7, we ranked an uh, offensive lineman going to Northwestern as a five-star, and he's going to be a first-rounder uh, this year. So uh, we aren't – we are not scared at – like, where they – where they sign does not matter to us. I think there is a correlation sometimes between, of course, between, you know, guys with top guys with a bunch of offers from blue blood programs being the best players, but that's not something we, we factor in. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it's, and some of it is, 
I think it's it, the, the context matters. Like for, for Lenora sellers, people would look at Lenora sellers offer list and be like, okay, like what's, what's going on here? Well, I mean, he misses, he misses junior year and 90% of the quarterbacks are committed by the time he's really, I would say, shoot, 98% of the quarterbacks are committed. Uh, power five guys are committed by the time he's really taken off as a senior, everybody kind of already has their quarterback and they, you know, most teams are going to drop their quarterback to make a move. I mean, it's just not something you see really common. Um, so, so yeah, I, I it, it like there, there is, there is crossover with, with offers, but I think if you were to rank by offers, you would be wrong a lot. Um, that's just not, I think that's just not a great, not a great strategy. Um, and I think too, if, if we were to reset a lot of these college boards, you know, the, the offer list would, would look completely different. Uh, you, you think about the timeline of when these offers come in. It's like right now, February, spring. Um, and, and so it's not super common to see a bunch of like senior offers, which really, like I said, to, to us, it just from everything I've ever looked at, how they play as a senior is, is the best indicator. Um, and it, if, if it was a deal where, you know, we had the, we still had the February signing day, I think you could maybe see more of that. I think, you know, back in the day, I'm sure y'all remember like back in the day when college coaches could go to, could go to the shrine bowl, which I wish they could do that now. Like you think that was fun, man. That were, that were discovered at the shrine bowl. Um, it's going to be, it's great for the players, but like when college coaches could go to all-star games and the evaluation was more in the senior year, I think you, it's a little different. Everything is so pushed up now, which, um, I think it just changes the timeline and it probably makes it more likely that some of these guys fly under the radar, um, and I think really to South Carolina's benefit, they landed some of those guys this year. I think those guys are honestly like the headliners of their class. So, um, you know, and I think that speaks to, to, to South Carolina's just the, the organization and ability to evaluate and pivot. Um, I think, you know, if you look at some past staffs at South Carolina, they might've dug their heels in on a guy like Lenore Sellers. Um, so I think it speaks to, to Beamer, um, and, and, and the whole group to say, okay, like, this guy's lighting it up. We can't, we can't let him lead the state. Like this is a potential, you know, difference maker at, at the most important position on the field. So I think they, I think they deserve credit for that as well. Yeah, Charles, I remember um, actually current South Carolina edges coach Sterling Lucas. Um, this was when I first started being involved in this stuff, like blowing up, I think at the Shrine Bowl. And yep. uh, that's when I was interning with scout.com, I guess, when I was like in college or something. But, yep. and now Sterling is an on the field coach at, at South Carolina. Yep. Um, I guess aging myself there a bit, but that was fun. There would be like coaches lined up on the sidelines in between the fields mm -hmm. on both sides. And uh, I kind of, kind of miss those days, guys. But yep. um, I, I tell you what, Charles, um, a guy that I don't think we've talked about with you and just hasn't gotten the fanfare maybe you would expect. What can you tell us about DJ Braswell, the four-star running back? Um, the more I look at South Carolina's depth chart, the loss of Marshawn Lloyd, you know, they get Mario Anderson from Newberry, but they they were looking to get another portal guy. Maybe doesn't look great there right now. The more I look at it, the more I'm sitting there saying Braswell may get every chance to come in and play. Consensus four-star guy. Um, what What can you tell us about Braswell, man? I think that the, the the first thing with, with Braswell is is the combination of size and speed. So state champion in the 100 and 200 meters in, in Georgia. Uh, I saw him in person at that at that Atlanta camp uh, about a year ago. He's a good 5'11", 200 plus. Um, so I think just from the uh, physical perspective, he has the ability. Like he he, he has the, the size and build to run between the tackles. I think when you look at running backs, I think size does matter. Um, and, and I, so I think he has, has the build you want and, and, and then the burst and speed to hit home runs. I don't think he played like on a great high school team. And it wasn't like a deal where he was like putting up gaudy stats. But, but when you watch the video, you can see a lot of stuff that translates, which is just with his ability to get to the edge, um, you know, pick up like pick up chunk yards. So uh, he was he was one. And I, and I think the agility as well, his ability to cut, you can kind of see right there. Um, he's not just a one cut guy. Uh, he can you know, has good feet in the hole. Um, so, um, I, I think from a skill perspective and, and just with, with his speed and athleticism, um, I, I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot to work with. Um, you know, he, he, I, I thought he caught the ball. Okay. I think he could improve, uh, could improve there. Um, just from seeing him catch in person in the, in the camp setting, 
Um, but it was it was not um, deficient at all. Like I, I think he's probably probably average. Uh, but that's something I think you know once he gets uh, on campus at South Carolina, that's something he'll probably continue to improve. But um, you know, I, I I think too he's he's kind of in that area of South Georgia. I, I think that's I, I think South Carolina did a really good job in Georgia this year. Uh, just just from an evaluation perspective, um, find, finding some some guy like being being pretty early on guys like I because we ranked Braswell as a four star. Um, I feel like pretty early, and a lot of that was just going back and looking at his track times and watch, watching his sophomore junior stuff. Um, but but South Carolina was on him pretty quick, I think. So that was that was resourceful, and, and I think a good a good evaluation. And um, the running back cycle is not crazy loaded this year like there's probably three for sure kind of like top 50 types and, and then um a, a little a little bit of a drop off so I, I think you know landing a top 300 running back this year um is is kind of what you would what you would hope for if, if you were kind of like you know set set reasonable expectations Charles west can we have time to pull up one more with charles maybe that i wanted to ask about yeah, if uh, if Charles, I mean Charles is giving us forty minutes. You got uh, you got somewhere you got to be, Charles. Or no, I'm you, good. I'm good. You good, man? Yep. Have we have we talked with Pup Power with uh, with Pup Power with Charles about Pup Power yet? Any? No, I don't think so. I don't think we've gotten as much of a detailed take. So obviously, Pup, uh, a guy that you have in the top two hundred um, mm-hmm. of beyond three hundred, Charles. He's someone that um, you know went through bowl practice with South Carolina. We've already Wes and I have already heard some. Pretty, uh, pretty positive returns, not only about his personality, but just his physique and, you know, how he looked during bowl practice. Uh, what do you, what do you think of Pup Howard? Um, I think you've got him, I mean, pr- pretty high again, top 200 yeah. kid. What do you like about his game? Yeah, I think, I think Pup Howard is a uh, tackle machine. That's, that's really kind of w- w- where we view his skill set. He is, uh, I, I would think one of the more productive, just, tackle like volume tacklers in in this linebacker group um i think he probably averaged like 10 tackles a game uh over the last couple years um so he's just very very active i think he's instinctive the size i think sneaks up on people um i'm not sure if y'all have seen him in person but i i think he i think he was he was initially maybe listed at like six two i think he's closer to six four i believe he's you know, around like six three and three quarters, I think was the official measurement I had on him. Bit uh, just a big guy. Um good good length. I think he is primarily just like a a, a Mike kind of in the box linebacker. Um for, for us, uh we, we really value if you if you're kind of like projecting a, a lot of our rankings are our rankings are really NFL draft ultimately like ultimate projections. But um so so I think some linebackers that are ahead of him are probably guys who are are just have the the, the verified speed and, and athleticism. But but I think from uh, from just a pure linebacker perspective, uh, he's very good in, in that regard. I think he's going to be like a starting middle linebacker at South Carolina, a guy who can call the defense. Obviously, um, y- y'all mentioned it. His just uh, his personality, and I, I think. Just, just leadership abilities um, are you know, everything I've heard are just like off the charts. So, so I think he is, he's just that kind of uh, stalwart, like defensive captain type. Um, and, and probably, honestly, I think you know, his, his value to the team is, is more, um, is more evident. It's going to be more evident, I think, than where he's ranked, if that makes sense. Like we, we rank these very like uh, objectively. It's like, athleticism um because we we don't we don't have all of the personality info on on all of these prospects and i think from my experience you can if you start trying to play psychologist you can make a lot of mistakes um so we kind of just go off what we have like what we know and i I think it just really is just how they play for us and how they project but i think i think pup howard is one and people might look at a ring and say well they have pup howard too low and if they were going to say that i I wouldn't really argue with you um but i I think his his value to south carolina is going to outweigh um what what he uh you know where where he's ranked or or what he does on the field to be honest i think he's kind of a kind of a thermostat leader from from everything i've i've heard so um yeah i think i think he's he's a guy that, that you just want to have in your program and i and, and i do think he's going to be a really good player for south carolina too um at a position of need charles uh final thing i got for you here man and again we appreciate the time um what uh i know you're not really on the reporter side of things anymore but 
what either on the field or just buzz have you heard about Nick Harbour? Obviously, Gamecock fans have uh, they've selected him as the guy they always want to talk about for this class, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, anytime we can just say the words Nick Harbour, um, 10, 10 additional viewers just pop up. It's like magic. So um, what can you tell us about, uh, about Nick and some thoughts there, man, just on him as a yeah. freaky, freaky athlete? Yeah, since I've been doing this, he is one of the more unique prospects that I've evaluated. Um, I think watching him as a senior, I really had some legitimate questions about the ball skills and just how he projected to offense. Um, Just very undeveloped there. Uh, And I I kind of viewed him more like I, I was kind of went into the week at Under Armour thinking, okay, like he probably needs to try to play defense. I think long term, just, um, but, but obviously his speed is special. Uh, he's 6'5", 225 with a 10 to 800 meters like that. I've never seen a size and speed combination like that from a high school prospect ever. Um, so that's all to kind of say, or just kind of lead up to, that was kind of my thought process going into seeing him at Under Armour. And honestly, I left Under Armour almost like more confused about him in a way or, or, uh, but but kind of in a good way. Uh, so like he was running past top corners like they were tied up out there. Uh, <laughs> it didn't always catch the ball clean, but also I think I only saw him have one drop. So yeah, uh, it, w- it, w- it wasn't always pretty, but he was coming down with it. Uh, but it, it was unique to see a guy with that size. I mean, the size is legitimate for sure. He might weigh more than 225, uh, but I think he looks a good 6'5", like long arms, just really would how you like, he's like a creative player physically, basically. And then, um, and I think the ability to run vertical is, is definitely unique. Um, Think, think, maybe think like a DK Metcalf type, um, a guy who's just huge and is going to outrun corners. Um, But, but one thing that impressed me as well, um, in addition to just like the fact that he didn't drop, he didn't put the ball on the ground a ton, even though he was, he was body catching a good bit um, was, I, I think the, you, you kind of, can um, maybe like stereotype track athletes as okay. Like they're just straight line sprinters and don't have a lot of lateral agility. Uh, he had some, he had some lateral agility, like some, some shake when he was like sticking his foot in the ground and his route running. I thought his route running was, was a pleasant surprise, uh, especially for mm-hmm. a guy who's probably not trained a ton um, at, at receiver or tight end. Um, so, so he's one, like, I think he was a guy who was probably kind of on that, like, range of okay if we have a bunch of a bunch of prospects who you know look better than him he can maybe get bumped out of the five-star conversation but he but he we after that week we're like okay we we have to keep him as a five-star because his upside is just so so high and it's just not common you see a guy with that size just running past all these top corners so um i think just from his recruitment y'all are probably more up to speed on this than me and i haven't been keeping up with it daily but um I think Oregon had a little buzz with him out there. Um, they were one that I think entered the mix there, but you know, with him, uh, he's got, he's got time. I don't think he's, you know, he's, he's got time to to go on visits and whatnot, but I, I think Oregon was a school that was previously not mentioned a ton, but, but was getting in the mix. And I think they have some appeal with uh, you know, their, 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 their track background, um, you know, Nike and, and just, uh, I think he's run, I think he ran in a track meet there before. So I'm not sure if he's like, I, I guess he hasn't visited there yet, but, or maybe, maybe he did last, last weekend, but I think they were, they were one to maybe watch as kind of a late, a late, uh, entrant into his, into his recruitment. So that, that's, that, 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 I guess that, that, that's the, that's the most reporting I can add. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that checks our Nicholas Harbor box for, for this show, but, um, Man, but hey, here's the thing. Everybody has talked about with him. Is he like an edge pass rush guy or a tight end? Charles, I'm sitting there saying, let's just slide him a little bit farther out on offense, put him out there, and let these 5'11 corners – like, what What do you even do with that? You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. everybody says tight end. I I think wide receiver is very intriguing um, just because yeah. he would be such a mismatch if you flex him all the way out there and get him out of the box – a little bit yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he has the, he has the skill set of basically like a, like a Z receiver, like almost think mm-hmm. like for Gamecock fans, you kind of think of a Demir bird, but he's six, five is kind <laughs> of what you would you know think of. Yeah. So I think yeah. you could definitely use him that way. And, and 
at least maybe early. It, it might take him a while to kind of like learn how to play, like uh, how to play as an inline tight end. Like that's probably right. a little bit of, of a projection. I mean, t- tight end's a tough position to play early in college or the NFL because there's so many different role, like skills and roles you want to, mm-hmm. you want to, you need to have to be like an every down tight end. You think about it. I mean, a lot of these guys in high school, they're either pass catchers or blockers. Most of your blockers aren't going to be the high end athletes. So it might take a while for, for tight ends to, to come in um, and, and just be like a true every down guy. Like, I don't think you see that a, a ton. Um, like a Brock Bowers is pretty rare and Brock Bowers is more of like, kind of just like an athlete guy. They, they move around, but um, yeah, I mean, I think if, if you want a Nick Harbour to make an instant impact, I would just stick him on the outside and say, Hey man, like run a nine route. And yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. well, like you, you can pull a safety over. Like that's, that's a huge, that's a huge factor in college football. I think if you look at some of these teams that, uh, that, that really give defenses trouble, like you look at Georgia, for instance, when they put Arian Smith uh, on the field in the college football playoff, that completely kind of almost like mm-hmm. broke Ohio State's defense a little bit with his ability to stretch the field. So if you have that guy on your team, and I think if you look at past South Carolina teams as well, if you have that guy that can stretch the field, it changes your offense completely. So at the minimum, he has that value, and then that's considerable. So Yeah, and I think, man, I think college coaches are saying, let's just land this guy. And then he can he can line up wherever he wants. Like, yeah, you can choose when you get here. We'll figure it out. But yeah. let's uh, get him in the boat first. So that will be intriguing to watch. Charles, man, well, you have been uh, more than gracious with your time. We appreciate it as always. Love the uh, rankings talk. Love the uh, philosophical talk about what goes into the rankings. And um, appreciate what you do, man. Hey, let's uh, let's do this again soon. Okay. Sounds good. See y'all. Awesome. Thanks, Charles. That's Charles Power. Go check out his work on On Three, of course. And uh, we're going to break up. If you missed this. We'll um we'll be back on. I would say check the YouTube page, um, Gamecock Central YouTube page, Chris. I think this is a prime um, episode to maybe chop up into some different segments. But most uh, we get, we got a few minutes left. Let's do our um, guest review. What uh what did you learn today, Chris? Well, I, I really liked asking. You probably noticed I had kind of a generalized theme today of trying to dig a little bit deeper into kind of what goes into these rankings and, you know, the dual threat versus, uh, you know, pro style kind of classification. I mean, we haven't gotten that question a lot, Wes, but we still get it some, you know, Hey, South Carolina is recruiting this guy. Is he a dual threat or is he a, you know, pro style guy? And so you can kind of now from a ranking standpoint, at least on on three, you can just kind of say, well, he's neither, he's just a quarterback, but, but generally even, you say, well, I mean, he's a dual threat. He can run, but a lot of guys now that you see, Wes, are going to be able to do both. Like, look at the college football playoff quarterbacks. Stetson Bennett, super mobile. Um, Max Duggan from TCU could run. C.J. Stroud could run. Um, and then um, – who am I leaving out? Um, Michigan. Michigan, yeah. Michigan's guy, not as much. But Michigan's like uh, – I like Spencer Hall's – explanation you know apply sledgehammer until desired results like their offense a little bit more old school than what you see now but jj mccarthy i I think maybe i'm sliding him yeah yeah he can i think he can run but everybody has a baseline mobility there's no more statues if you're a statue you're not playing or you better be you better be a genius at (laughs) like picking apart what's happening and then you better be accurate as all you know what? Um, yeah. I think there's just levels to it. Like some some guys are going to just move around just enough, and then some guys, a lot of these guys, man, are way more athletic than they're given credit for. Oh, um, absolutely. And it, it used to be – I think that's a great change, man, because it used to be, um, oh, you know, this guy can run. He's a dual threat, so that means he can't throw. You know, it was like a there's a connotation there. Um. You know, there's some certain things about just people would automatically get made dual threat. And it's like, oh, well, they they can't throw the football. That's not the case. Um, and, and I liked his point, too, about that gives you a certain amount, gives you a certain edge in getting comfortable into a scheme but still being effective while you – you know, I think we saw that – saw that with Connor Shaw, man. He was a – he was a pretty good quarterback – before he became a really good passer, I feel like. So it was it, and that part of his game got better and better. Yeah. Um, 
and he sort of added it in with the the dual threat ability. Spencer Rattler, his biggest plays this year have been by making incredibly like beautiful, crazy throws, but a lot of times it's been by buying time with yep. his feet as well. So the best quarterbacks aren't really the I can only throw, but they're not really the run first. They're the guys that can marry it together. And I, I think that's what we're seeing with these rankings. But also, man, I think gives you a clearer idea. Lenore Sellers, number eight quarterback in the country. In the past, Carolina has gotten top 10 quarterbacks, but you were dividing it among dual threat and pro style. You're talking about number eight quarterback in his class, according to own three, period. End of story. There, there are basically, you can take 10 quarterbacks in this class, and according to own three, Sellers is among that group, which is, uh, that's special, man. I'm telling you, this kid hadn't got hurt eighth grade. It would have been an absolute dogfight for Carolina to land him. And he'd be the guy that we were writing confidentials and insider reports about every other week, I feel like. Yeah. It, it, so there was a good bit of excitement about this kid in Gamecock country, like leading up, but probably not enough. And and so, look, so on three is an outlier in the way that they view sellers. I have a feeling some others are going to catch up, maybe not number 95 in the country, but I think some others will move him up some more. I don't know everybody's ranking schedule. I don't even know on three's ranking schedule until here it is. It came out yesterday. But as an example, so he mentioned national recruits, like seeing sellers alongside some national recruits at Clemson's camp a couple years ago. Sellers, according to on three, is now ranked higher than Eli Holstein, and Dylan Lonergan, both of Alabama's quarterback signees. He's ranked higher than Clemson signee Christopher Vizina, which was has been considered a big-time guy. And Wes, very interestingly, ranked a good bit higher, by 80 spots higher than Jaden Rashada, who's been in the news a lot lately. Jaden Rashada checking in at number 176 in the on 300. So, yeah, th- this is a this is a big-time recruit and I I also you know going back to things that we learned like you put up three guys in that graphic that really cool graphic on the screen Kilgore Swain Sellers all kind of more like resourceful gets for South Carolina like Swain you beat Colorado and like Vanderbilt (laughs) and and a few others Kilgore had Clemson Florida Oklahoma right um some, some bigger schools, and Sellers was Syracuse, right? But look at where all these guys are. Two of them are in the top 100. One of them's top 175. And all of them were super productive high school players that all play, you know, the most important position on the field. And then a couple guys at a position of need at DB um, for some potential early playing time. So resourceful gets by the Gamecock staff. Um, and two of them, as Charles mentioned, out of the state of Georgia where they did a really good job this year. Yeah, man, I, I left this conversation, so I've been in, I've been in a little bit of depth chart mode because I um, am putting together like a projected spring depth chart for offense, defense, and and it's way too early to really know on a lot of these spots. But uh, my next step is to put out the defensive one, and not all these guys are here yet. You know, Swain isn't, Kilgore is, but hearing, you know, Charles talk about some of these guys. I already found myself sort of fair or not. They got to get to campus. We got to see what they can do. They got to get through a practice first, right? But I found myself sort of saying now, if Kilgore is as good as he thinks he is, as as good as Charles thinks he is, not as good as Jalen. That's not like a shot. If Kilgore <laughs> is as good as Charles thinks he is, and watching that senior film, that was the first time I'd seen the senior film. Um, he's actually a pretty dynamic athlete, man. He's probably going to be on the two deep at safety as a true freshman. Like, I I think he's probably that good. And then you look at Swain, he's probably on the two deep as a freshman at corner or wide receiver. Like, you know, and don't get me wrong, the full plan right now by all indications is cornerback, you know, it's DB. But we know how quickly that can sometimes change. Yeah. I know this is one of the few guys Chris wants at receiver. 
However, you know, I agree, man, but also I'm looking at corner and I'm like, no, if, yeah, I'm with you. If, if, if Vakari is as good as the number 51 overall prospect in the country and he can bring some additional physicality to the cornerback spot, um, depending on the development of some of these other guys, I mean, he, he very well may just come in and, and be too good not to start, like much less play. Like I, I could see him taking a spot eventually. Yeah. At the very least, it's gonna it's gonna depend on I think Chris the development. You know, what does Emory Floyd do this offseason? What does uh, Anthony Rose do this offseason? How much does Keenan Nelson improve after you know we kind of got a feel for their thought process? Keenan playing the nickelback spot in the bowl game played I think every snap that the nickel was on the field. DQ playing safety alongside Nick. Um, there's a lot to sort through, and there's plenty of time to do it. But that secondary just feels like some of these guys we're talking about are going to have every opportunity to be on the field in some way coming up next season. And and a couple things on Swain. I mean, he is the only one out of these. These other two guys are already on campus. So Swain's a summer enrollee, I believe. And um, – I agree with you, man. I mean, I, I'm actually conflicted. I know I said receiver, but 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 that is because like this is really truly a guy that you could play him either way, and you like you understand. You're like, yeah, I, I could see that. You know, um, it's just when you watch him on film, and you'll watch him run a route, and you're like, oh god, you know, like wow, you know. But then but then you understand the size, speed, the athleticism, the length, the need, like all of that makes sense. Um, Plus, I think Tory and Gray kind of claimed him early. It's like, yeah, this is my yeah. guy. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, um, yeah. I asked one of my guys, man, like one of the people I trust, like their opinion, and I was expecting them to be like, that guy's too good to not put him on offense. Got the opposite response. It was he could help South Carolina, like, off the jump at corner. So that kind of – yeah. I'm conflicted as well, um, but it's a good problem to have. And yeah, can 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 we just uh, for one moment just look at this graphic and just man, that thing looks pretty up there. It does look good. Did you make that? <laughs> Heck no, I did not. Um, shout out to our own three graphic graphic team, I should say. Um, I think Marina, who um, does yeah. a fantastic job. Ron three uh, made that. So shout out. That thing's pretty, man. Um, all right, we're out of time. Appreciate Charles. That was that was awesome. Beauty, hey, the beauty of having Charles on, just get him rolling. That guy can talk about rankings forever. So yep. uh, great, great detail. You can tell. I, I think I think that was good for fans, Chris, because these rankings aren't just like, oh yeah, that guy's a four star. Oh, that's a five star. Oh, that's a three star. Let's just slap. The detail and the sort of indicators, I think is a good word for it. Positive indicators, negative indicators that go into those decisions. How do you rank this guy? How do you rank that guy? And it's easy for us as South Carolina media or South Carolina fans to be like, oh, that guy's clearly a four-star. And it's like, but you're not watching film of the other thousands. Thousands, yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. So – it's a tough job. Like, I get it's very easy to get on Twitter and be like, oh, this is BS. How's this guy? Not? It's not an easy job. All the guys they're ranking are pretty good at football. Yeah. Like I, yeah. Very, very few films do you pop on and be like, man, that guy sucks. Like, it, well, it, it, that's what people don't like. Even if somebody is a four star, even a three star, yeah. like you, I had someone brought up a player the other day and said, why this guy should be a five star. And I'm like, well, he's, a top 200 player, that means – that's literally telling a guy you will be an NFL draft pick. That is not – that is a compliment of the highest order. That just means you may not be a first-rounder. If you consider that a diss, yeah, I got nothing for you. But yeah. Well, everything's a diss <laughs> nowadays, Chris. So, that's right. Um, anyway, all right, y'all, we are out of time. Appreciate it. I hope y'all enjoyed that as much as we did. I thought that was really good. If you're a roster-building or recruiting – um, nerd like we are, uh, that was really good stuff. So, 
Appreciate y'all joining. Appreciate Charles as always. For Chris, I'm Wes. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.